Let's do it. Um, yeah, a surprise. Say that. Uh, 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 Sunny, we always start with a safe word. What's your safe word? What's my safe word? Oh, God, it changes. What is my safe word? Uh, let's let's go with uh, Sinatra. That was one for a long time. Oh. I'll have it my way. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that anymore. Welcome back to What's Your Safe Pod. I'm Amp, and today I have the lovely, beautiful, intelligent, gorgeous, intellectual clown without a frown, Sunny Megatron. Oh, I love that. I love the rhyming. I am a clown without a frown. Because <laughs> I know you're into clowning and like humiliation. Yeah, no. Sunny, welcome back to the show. It's very nice to see you again. How are you doing today? I am so excited. Uh, I just geek out. I love talking to you and I love geeking oh, out you. on just information. So <laughs> this could be good. Laughing was not one of the top kinks. No, this week I have Sunny on the show, a lovely educator in the kink space who not only does educating, but does podcasting and blogging and TV. And I mean, you've literally, you have run the gamut of any kind of educating you could do and teaching with kink, I think at this point. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot. I think since we've last talked, the other thing I have to add to my roster is now officially certified sexologist. So, Ooh. yeah, I don't, it sounds fancy, whatever. I'm still, you know, how does, still how the does same one, geek, still the same BDSM geek. How does so. one become official? You went to school and did all the, the coaching yeah. or? Yeah, a lot of like, I, I've done a lots of different like, industry training as opposed to doing like a formal university kind of route um i've done a lot of um you know the the training within the industry where you get like you know points and credits and blah, 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 blah. uh and then some of it is just based on like everything i've done you know my self study because oh. i've done a hell of a lot so like extra you know. credit exactly <laughs> yeah my life is extra credit i like that i made that a t-shirt my life is extra credit for people yeah. that don't know who you are, though, is there a better way to kind of explain your life in a nutshell? Oh, my life in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm a kink and sexuality educator. And, you know, you you kind of covered the, the roster, but I'll tell you kind of how I got here. This is my second career and I'm a late in life kinkster. I was originally, I went to school for um, marketing and psychology and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, a combination of, the, the recession of 2008 and my own personal uh, renaissance or enlightenment period or midlife crisis, uh, <laughs> I pivoted both personally and professionally. And uh, now I'm here, you know, applying a lot of my formal education in like business and marketing and statistics and all of those like, ooh, what makes people tick as like a, a whole community sort of thing? Um, with my knowledge of of sex and sexuality. So it's a weird road that got me here, but I'm here. No, I love that. Though. I mean, I feel like most sex educators don't like they don't start out as a, a kid to teen being like, I'm going to teach sex. Um. <laughs> I would have been horrible. I'd have been like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I started teaching like swimming lessons and I was like, oh, I like teaching, but I don't want to teach kids in school. No. And so like the art school programs and like 3D video games, like and kind of just it all made sense how it ebbed and flowed to i just like talking about sex and i just like seeing how people tick in like not a creepy way you know 
Like I just want right. to I want to know like the intricacies because it's fun. Yes, yeah, it really is. And it's funny cuz that's how I arrived at marketing, you know. I uh really was like I love psychology. Same thing. I love seeing people tick, but I'm like, do I want to be a therapist and like sit one-on-one -on -one with people? No, that's I don't want to do that. Oh, you know. <laughs> So yeah, I arrived at at I'm gonna sell people Kellogg cereal and Procter and Gamble products for near 20 years. Uh, and then I realized, you know, not only was capitalism like rah, uh, I had a whole better professional and personal arena here. And I feel like what we do, we're actually improving people's lives, changing people's lives, and like in some cases, I hate to like ring our bell, but kind of sometimes saving people's lives, you know? So we're doing the good work. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And you have done tons of great work. I mean, I've done, I've done some, but yeah, you have to <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, we just came back from MAL this last week. So, like, I totally understand what you say or mean when you say that because doing things online via screens, like even just chatting with you, like, this is lovely. Of course, I would love to see you in person. But the way in nature of our world currently, like online is so much easier. But being in person at live events like that, you get to really like you don't get to just touch people emotionally like you get to touch people and chat. And and it makes a big impact on like what you do and why you do it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, first absolutely. of all, thank you. Yay, Second of all, thank you thank you for being here. No, because today <laughs> uh, recently and this is now our third year officially because we started it during covid because. I was like, I want to know about data. And also I was probably like, I don't know what to do today. Let's ask our audience what they're into. We started like this little census slash survey. Um, and then we did it the following year when it was still COVID. And then this is now our third year of doing a census slash survey slash what makes you tick? What makes you excited in the bedroom? And we're going to we're going to do a video probably as well on the on the YouTubes. But I wanted to sit down and talk to you about it because I only value your experience and opinion, but I want to know like your own personal opinions as someone who does help to not only talk about information, but also publishes and is, is closely related and working with Zipper magazine as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm going to give a shout out right now to Zipper magazine, just for anybody who doesn't know, if you don't mind me just like Do tooting it. that horn, Do it. um, Zipper magazine, you, you know, you've worked with Zipper, you've done videos with Zipper for for uh what's the safe word YouTube channel. And we are a online digital magazine all about kink that is suitable for work, you know, more mainstream focus, but that talks about the stuff like we you and I are talking about right now, like the digging past the um like the stereotypes and the sensationalism and the all doms act like this and all toms act like this and get down to the real meat of the matter and, and the nuance and clearing up those misconceptions. Um, and I absolutely love like this new role in my life, being the editor in chief of zipper magazine that I helped create and run in conjunction with clips for sale because I get access to more of the community as a whole and not just like people that officially consider themselves part of the community but even those 
curious kinksters just kind of strolling by those vanilla folks that maybe aren't so vanilla after all but they have to discover that within themselves you know uh they're they're really you know we're all on a spectrum <laughs> we're Absolutely. all kind of kinky in our own way um but you know looking at that data we've done a few very small surveys on things we did um you know we surveyed the community about how the pandemic has impacted them and that's i really geek out that way so if i can uh have more of a platform as an educator and through zipper magazine to get some of that cohesion about like what are we all about out there yes so that was my shameless plug of zipper magazine and how it ties into what we're talking about now this year y'all as we get into the new year maybe it's time for a new um plan downstairs you might have gotten a few lumps of coal, and if you didn't get your Manscaped razor, maybe you should now, or the perfect performance package for your package, again from manscaped.com. It's my favorite, and actually goes in line with an actual, actual favorite that's not just a sponsor as well, um, my Kink 3D Chastity Cage. They make such good chastity. Oh, they do. They especially really do. Especially for kinksters looking to try maybe something new this year. Um, maybe try chastity. Get some. Get a lawnmower for Puno. Maybe a weed whacker for your nose hair for your brand new which, septum which, ring. Which, by the way, because you know how I was complaining about uh, my nose ring? I discovered uh, yeah, that it was because it was crusting up because I had some nose hair. Hey, gross. Okay. That was, oh, so okay. I took my weed whacker. I, there's a point to this story <laughs> before you cut me off. So I took my weed whacker and got in there and it didn't hurt even where it was sensitive around the new uh -huh. hole. And New hole. <laughs> the new nose hole and it got rid of all of that and that, i think that's actually why my nose feels better i Absolutely. I, I weed whacked it i totally whacked it <laughs> and i appreciate that like that like putting all that together like that's a again we're talking about like trajectory of jobs for sex educators that seems like a really mm -hmm. valuable and valid way to not only live experience do play and then turn it into something that's transformative and helps others just with information like that's why not only Zipper Magazine is lovely, but why I wanted to do this kind of recurring survey where we're maybe not asking the same questions every time, but we absolutely built upon it every year. And boy, howdy, which is a phrase no one says anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there was this is a, so again, third year. This is the first year that I had some very adamant feedback mm -hmm. about how I am not professional in this or trained. And I want to say first of all you're so right <laughs> um i had someone who actually does professional surveys like this actually the person who did like the five stages of figuring out your kinky did a huge oh. survey and census on fet life years and years ago that i've uh -huh. used in actual videos come out and say this is messy and sloppy and this isn't really mm. and i was kind of like you're so right if you have feedback please send it here and it, not even missing a beat. I think the next day I had like seven emails from different people being like, Hey, love the survey, but blah, 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 and gave feedback. And I was like, okay, I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to learn and grow. Yeah. And I, I get that too. I see both sides of the coin and I'll tell you my thoughts on that. Uh, and I'm blurry. I'm just going to go away and come back. <laughs> Crystal clear. There we are. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we're not, uh, you know, PhD researchers doing our dissertations. This oh. isn't official. And that's 
absolutely clear. If it could be great, if we could be wonderful, like I would love that. But the fact is we got to work with what we have and we're what we have. Right. <laughs> um, and when it comes to the study or the understanding of kink as a cultural unit, as a, you know, whole subculture, um, we don't have a lot of official data mm -hmm. and a lot of the official data that we have is conducted by people that don't understand the community or what we do you know to the level that we understand it so even a lot of those official things may not be so great either and they may be skewed and biased i do have to give a shout out to northern illinois university's um uh the science of bdsm research team uh, Dr. Brad Sangren like heads up this whole team and it consists of community people and they actually go to uh, different events and conventions and conduct like on premise in the dungeon measuring your cortisol while you play studies, which is really cool. That's cool. It's so cool. Um, but they're very few and far between. So with that said, a lot of uh, us kinksters know if we consider ourselves community kinksters or just BDSM geeks, we know that a lot of the conclusions that we draw and a lot of the information about we have a lot of the information we have about us as a collective is anecdotal because that's the best we got. Yeah. And, you know, with the caveat that, hey, we're not researchers. Hey, correlation doesn't equal causation. Hey, you know, th with those things. But this is the best we've got. And mm -hmm. I think that there is a, not, I think I know there is a lot of value in that. Um, yeah. If we can get the, the, the really solid non-biased peer reviewed studies and official great. If we can get some data analysts out there to, you know, do these surveys. Great. But there's no funding for mm -hmm. sex and research or not much. So we got to work with what we got to work with. And as long as we keep that in mind during our conversations, like, hey, if we draw a conclusion, maybe we're wrong. Like, you know, so with that, we move on. And into. anybody <laughs> who is willing to pitch in and help, like folks sending emails, like, please, yes. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be a next time. There's always going to be a moving forward. And we'll get better at this as we go. Yeah. And again, that, that's a shout out to any analysts that we know that have like experienced that. I'm happy to, to do this again next year. Again, I had many emails of feedback that I'm going to apply next year. Like this year, I, I put together the survey and then peer reviewed with different individuals from different backgrounds, those who are trans, those who are non-binary, those who are neurodivergent, asking if questions as we'll go through are like appropriate. And even then, even then, like even the, the first question, case in point, I, the first question on our survey is what's your gender identity? And I had some people that were like, well, male is not the proper term, man's not the proper term, like, and then people were saying that they felt that trans should be on there. Trans individuals are saying I would like trans yeah. to be on there. And then I had trans individuals online saying that's transphobic to even put that on there because gender and identity and sexuality and all these things are so inter like in it, like so complex, you know, yeah. because we've grown and learned. So like going through that, even I'm learning that someone's identity and how they see themselves, while it might be something that is a bit more dated, is still valid because that's how they define their identity, sexuality and gender, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it's, it's complicated. It really is. And, and because we all have such individual relationships to these identifiers that yes, there is the, you know, the, the majority or the social tide says like, this is, but there are always going to be those outliers who say like, Oh, but that is my identity. And maybe it, 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 isn't in line with what like the majority is feeling right now at the moment, which is always ever changing because <laughs> as an entity, as a community, we're ever changing. Yeah. Um, and as people, we're ever changing as individuals. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to capture um, everything that suits everyone or that categorizes everyone in the right way. And then just from a, a logistics practical point of view, if it's like, hey, we're not going to give you multiple choice. You just fill it in. That's great. But then when it comes to correlating the data, you have 3,000 completely was, different answers that just, you have to categorize. Sonny, you have no like, idea. <laughs> just for gender, there were 13 pages of people's identity. Because so, I had another. I had another, of right. course. I want to make sure I'm inclusive and get it all in there. But there was 13 pages of how people identify with their gender. And that's valid. From transsexual mass to gray gender to masculine to none some people but none to right. trans man to trans woman by gender age so we're working through this if we get something wrong allow us that feedback yeah. and give us some time because we want to get this right and we want to do right by everyone but there's a lot of data here so first question yeah. was what is your gender identity <laughs> now we had 26 percent that said woman or female we had mm. for for men male we had 1,200 people, so 38%. And then non-binary was the third largest with about 19.4%. Which So those are the top three of the, those that are telling us their gender. And that was actually really surprising for me, how many non-binary, almost a fifth of the survey I, being non-binary. I've been seeing the same things. We've done, uh, like I said, just a few very short uh surveys with the community for zipper magazine and i'm seeing the same thing and i love it because yeah. i'm like wow that is that is really awesome um but i and i can't remember offhand uh for the what was the the um, pandemic survey that we did like you know how has it changed your kink mm -hmm. um and but yeah, there was a, a huge amount of non-binary folks. And I've also done surveys for my podcast, American Sex, to just survey the audience. Like, who are y'all? <laughs> and there is a very large uh, percentage of folks that are non-binary. So that's awesome. That's great. Well, and I should say, so third year here, almost kind of like clockwork. The first year we had like 1,000 to 1,200 people. Second year was like 2,000. And this is our third year. We have 3,086 people in this survey as of us talking right now. Absolutely. So, again, 38.7% are, are looking at, like, guys, male, man, 26.9, the women, the females. And then, again, th in third place, uh, non-binary at 19.4% with plenty of other. There's gender fluid was 5%. Okay. That was great. And then it goes down from there. But, again, 13 pages of different ways people identify with their gender. That's now, amazing. The next question was, how do you identify sexually? And this was a click all that applies because this one has so many uh, sex is also complicated. But I was not surprised that the top was the very top there was gay. And mm -hmm. I mean, gay, we have a very gay audience. Right. I'm not surprised that a large chunk of them were gay. Um, but you had you had gay then underneath that queer 
I love that. Like queer used to be this huge bad word that we've now reclaimed. Mm-hmm. From there it goes by. Uh, sorry, here I should start. Thirty-eight percent gay. Thirty-six percent of people identified as queer. Thirty-two uh, percent was bisexual. We had ace spec at around eighteen point nine percent. Which hey, mm-hmm. demisexual here. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Trans at about fifteen point two percent. Non-binary, again, right up there at the tops at 14%. Cis, so cisgender, at 12.2%. Straight, come on, straight allies at 8.1%. And then questioning was very surprising at 6% of the audience was still questioning their gender in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, going down the line, tons and tons and tons and tons until you get to the very bottom where other was kind of this catch-all of 1.6%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one where people could answer multiple because I'm looking at this like Mm -hmm. I would answer multiple and I have to point something out. And this is, you know, a beef I've had with just the way our understanding of gender and sexuality has rolled out. And it's like, you know, just caveat again, I'm not a data researcher. I did way back when, when I was in college, even though I was a marketing major, I was a women's studies minor, which is now gender studies. But, you know, that was eons ago. But, you know, even since then and how things have unfolded with the way we label our gender, our sexuality, et cetera, I see, and this is my personal opinion, an inherent issue with the framework of what we use. Because it's like, when Mm -hmm. someone says sexual identity, well, what is that? Is that also our romantic identity? How does our oh. gender factor into that? How does the blah, 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 like we can divide that into. So, so when we say, what's your gender identity? What's your sexual identity? There are so many pieces to each of that pie in each of us as an individual that I think just that framework itself is flawed. Like, Absolutely. We use the term yeah. sex to mean so many things as our society. Exactly. I, I switched the framing and the wording of each of these questions multiple times mm-hmm. from peer review to like peer feedback. And I'm just like, oh, but I want to encapsulate all of this. But oh, my God, then it closes off this part of the question. And uh. so yeah. I think I think really like inherently and I'm not saying like your survey is that I'm saying every, <laughs> every demographic, <laughs> like the demographics that we use as people are the framework is just inherently flawed. Like, True. how can we get True. accurate? Because I look at this as a sexuality educator who should know what the definitions of each of these identities are and myself. And, and I go, well, yeah, I guess I put queer. Yeah, I'm like, well, I get, you know, kind of, yeah, a spectrum, but it's some demisexual. I don't know, but is that a sexual orientation? Like, inside my own head, I could get, confuse myself. So yeah. I think we just need to change our labels in general, <laughs> or all of our surveys are going to be a little wonky. I And that's why I like that queer was so relevant and prevalent in that question, because I'm not saying that we shouldn't have labels. In fact, I'm very much the type of like, a label is important because it gives you an overarching, like, this is what I am, this is how I am, and I yeah. have something that I, I align with. But queer is just this lovely all-encompassing like community word while not perfect it shows that we're not only able to reclaim words but like able to have something that kind of catches everyone within this community Uh yep Uh, unless of course you're not queer in which case thank you for taking the survey you're absolutely valid as well and i love to see it (laughs) (laughs) from there we did the the generals of like age and where you live um the highest demographic for age unsurprisingly was like a 25 to 34 age range Personally, 
can I talk? Can I yeah, say go, something? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I am fascinated by the different uh, generations of people and how they identify and what their sexual experiences are. Um, so I think like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to steal your thunder. What, oh. what was the biggest demographic? I'll let you say it. I'm, I'm, I don't want to tell like the punchline of a joke. I don't want to steal it from you. 25 to 34. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I find that really interesting because that's like, the, you know, the tail end of the millennials and the beginning of the Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed even between Gen Z and, and like younger millennials and my two kids, I have a 27 year old and a 21 year old. And even though they are six years apart, there is such differences in their like identity and how they relate to the world. It is amazing. It's nice you know, to see. it's nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I find it really interesting. Like, you know, how might this have skewed if it was more Gen X people or like exclusively Gen Z people? And how might that have changed what we see in our identity answers? And, you know, so I just I that's where I geek out. I geek out on that. Stuff. Same. And it would be it would be it would be silly of me to not also realize that, like, that is my age. That is kind of our demographic because of what we do and how I talk about our stuff. But mm-hmm. I do want to also call out that I saw quote tweets and people sharing this that don't even follow me, you know, that are saying like, Hey, information data, like do it. And of, of the younger generation to the older. And so like the, the highest there, of course, 25 to 34, uh, second place at 30%, just about was 18 to 24. Mm-hmm. And third place with 15.9% was 35 to 44. And then, the other age ranges, 45 to 54 was after that, 56 to 64 after that. Uh, 65 plus was only a, a 0.4% of the survey. And I, it's not outlandish that 13 to 17 year olds who are just kind of figuring out their their sexuality also got a hold of this. And there's 1.5% of them. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just kind of glaze over this quickly because uh-huh. the demographics of where people lived weren't yeah. surprising. U.S. was the most at 54%. Um whoever of the of the what was it nine people in Antarctica? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're voting with like their fet life location. <laughs> but then and we the ju- 99 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and freezing probably. We've got the little penguin. Um I, now this is where we get into really fun stuff that that I love to see. And the next question was, what role do you lean most towards? And the, the options are top, bottom, verse, or undecided, because I don't know there are anything besides that. And verse, what what is your opinion on sides? Ooh, I, I mean, didn't I that, but. I love the concept of sides, and I, I think I first heard about sides like Dr. Joe Court was like doing a lot of videos a couple of years ago, like mm. you know, on sides, and uh, I. I love that we have a label out there and that it's like, okay, cool. We have an identity because there's a lot of folks that are sides. Um, but I, that's not my community. Like the, the you hmm. know, the gay community is not my community. So hmm. I don't know. Like you tell oh. me, are there how what percentage of sides would you think there are? Very small, but I do yeah. hear about it often in the bars, people talk about it. Um, but for this this survey, I all, all I had was tops, bottoms, and verses. But I did hear some people that were like, "What about sides?" I'm like, "I yeah. hear you." Next year, yeah. 
Because um, I think I think if the label side were to become a little bit more, because now it's like I associate very much with the gay male community. Hmm. Um, if it were to become more of a uh, you know, queer label, I I might be kind of a side. I kind of dig next it. Year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised at at the forty four point one percent? That's one thousand three hundred sixty one of people were bottoms, and wow, <laughs> verses were at thirty three point seven percent, and tops were only twelve point seven. That's really fascinating, and I'm I'm gonna like. You bottoms know, rule the world. Then, Let's go, bottoms. Totally, <laughs> totally, we're the underdogs. No, uh. I, this is purely my own personal speculation, um, but I think about like, where are we going as a society in general when it comes to sexuality and identity and being emotionally vulnerable and open about things? Uh, and where are we going then as a, a sexual sub-community? I think this makes a lot more sense because, and I'm not saying this to like, Dis tops because a top is a very valid, very valid identity. But I think a lot of people pigeonhole themselves into being a top because there is that um, vulnerability and emotional riskiness to publicly say, like, I'm a bottom, I'm, you know, um, yeah. and the last few years that people are talking about, they're like, okay, cool. I'm about no big deal. You know, we're, we're getting bottom representation of all different types. There's masculine bottoms, you know, all sorts of people. I think people are embracing that and they're exploring that more and they feel like they have permission to. I would also speculate that the pandemic has um, kind of supercharged that permission for people and that exploration because we all had kind of a little bit of emotional breakdown come to jesus moment during the pandemic like oh my god what am i doing with my life what do i really want what have i been denying myself of like we all kind of had a moment there (laughs) and i think a lot of people were just like you know what this is what i really want this is what i really want to explore i've been keeping myself from it and fuck that life's too short you know i'm a bottom you know, that's what I think. Agreed. Yeah. I, it's nice to see that that there's a lot. I was I was surprised that the verse was the second highest in that with like undecided only at 9.5%. But everyone's figuring out the ver, the versatility of it all is, is is. And I think a lot of people start as bottoms. This is my own personal opinion. They think that they want to be a top, but they end up realizing that they like a little bit of both. And so verse just kind of seems like a, the final the final destination for a lot of people as they figure themselves out. I think so. You know, I mean, we're we're all moving towards in any respect, not just in sexuality, like fluidity, things being on a spectrum, us not pigeonholing ourselves into an identity. Mm-hmm. So that just seems to make sense as to like I don't know, the mood, the mood of the 2020s, you know? <laughs> Well, speaking of moods, um, the next question, this one was the most interesting personally for me outside of the the one word answers, which we'll get into in just a sec. But this was one that my community, as I was kind of talking about the survey, I, I also talked about the survey on Twitch before even releasing it because I wanted people's mm-hmm. unbiased opinions from kind of a, a, a cloud of people. And right. everyone was like, 
Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you ask that question? The question being, do you consider yourself disabled, neurodivergent, and or have a chronic illness? Mm -hmm. And do you want to do you want to read how the yes on that? Yeah, 58.3%, which I'm like, huh, as somebody who (laughs) is neurodivergent and has a chronic illness. And it's like, I have so many conversations with folks. And again, they're anecdotal conversations, but it's like, you know, hey, in the in the kink community or kink circles, uh, like so many of us are neurodivergent. Like, it's just kind of like, (laughs) we're like, Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) not surprising, but but also surprising the number. Right, right. And and I think, you know, and also have chronic illness as well. And, you know, personally, I've done a lot of reflection and investigation as to why is this both personally and, you know, through other folks that I encounter. And I think for both neurodivergence and and chronic illness, it's the um, the be able to the, the ability to control your situation, your environment, your, you know, sensory experience, your, to have the permission to ask those weird, awkward questions or to have limits that maybe out in the default world might seem like that's a weird thing, you know, but here it's like, you know, like I I was playing uh, with someone and uh, the limit was, you know, we we're doing like silly role playing. And I was like, you know, making them act like certain animals for like a humiliating public scene. It was just hilarious. And it was like, okay, my limit is um, I will be any animal you want me to be, but not a bird. <gasps> that red. A specific you know? kind of bird? Or... Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if I was in a vanilla situation and someone were to make a request like that, they might be like, well, that's fucking weird. But we're just like, okay, cool. We're all fucking weird. I don't know why, but you got your thing. Like in the kink community, we don't question those requests. And a lot of neurodivergent folks and folks with chronic illnesses do have requests that may seem on the surface kind of out of left field. So I think we feel safe here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's a not, and again, uh, I should I should have said this at the beginning, but again, a survey of 3000 people. It is all anonymous. At the end, we asked if you'd like to be on like an email list for future things like this. And that was it. That's the only mm-hmm. information. We're not publishing anyone's information here whatsoever, besides just the stats of what we're looking at and talking right, through. Right. So yeah. there it yeah. was absolutely a safe space for people to just be like, yeah, yes. And or undecided. So it was yeah. uh, neurodivergent and or chronic illness or disabled. Fifty eight point three percent were yes. Uh, about 29.1% said no, and there was 116 not sure, with 1.1% saying prefer not to answer, which we respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And another thing I, I have to say about that, and then we'll move on because this is my yeah. geek out spot, no, but like, <laughs> uh, I use kink situations to practice and explore uh, my boundaries and requests that I may use out in the default world in vanilla situations. So it's like, I feel safer making some, you know, what I might interpret as like, people are going to think this is a weird ass request, but I can kind of 
practice that and feel mm. that out here where I feel a little bit safer. And that helps me then advocate for my needs in other situations that may be a little bit more difficult to get that across. So I think that's, and then, you know, both from, you know, physical chronic illness stuff to neurodivergence as well. No, that, uh, but that makes, I, personally, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And kinky people love to get nerdy and they love to, they love to dissect and, and pinpoint and hyper-focus on things, which is absolutely part of a lot of those communities is how you not, not cope, but like manage and, and live and, yeah. and, and work through your life. So it makes complete sense that kink is a, a valid, easy, or not maybe not easy, but a thing you enjoy doing because you can hyper-focus and fixate on whatever you want, what kind of play. Maybe you're good at bondage, which we'll get into. Um I, I just I that was one of my favorite questions because not even missing a beat like the day after we started this survey, someone online was like, well, you don't know that most people in the kink community are neurodivergent or have a disability. And then literally I was able to be like, well, actually, we have yeah. a survey with over 50 percent of people saying anyway. Yeah. And and it's just purely anecdotally and personally in my heart. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we always do. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. So moving from there, this shouldn't be a surprise. We just asked if people consider themselves kinky with 92.7% of the survey saying yes. <laughs> yeah. We respect the no, mm -hmm. but it was only 3.3% and the don't know being 4.1. So the don't knows overpowered even the no's in that. Mm -hmm. And we welcome all people, vanilla or kinky. Um, But then looking at on us. So we get into some scale questions as well through here from like zero being in this case on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being very, 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 very hyper most sexual and zero being not sexual at all. Where do you lie? And the, the highest of that was a, about seven to eight on that mm -hmm. scale, um, which is so fascinating considering how many ACE spec people are, are talking about their ACE specness because they're, they're, it's humans are so complex because our entire survey was so horny or not the entire, but a lot right. of people. But then also mm -hmm. this is where, you know, I sort of have a bone to pick with the definitions of all of these labels when it comes to sure. gender and sexuality, and then mm -hmm. our understanding and interpretation of these labels. And it's like, you know, if you're going with what. I consider the more traditional definition of what a, an asexual or ace person is, which who knows if I'm even right at this point, because we all have our own versions, is you may not experience sexual attraction. Correct. But maybe you still have sex. And there are plenty of other reasons why people have sex aside from sexual attraction. So like maybe that accounts for like, how come there's so many ace people that answer the survey, but then everyone's so sexual? Maybe yeah, that's no, why. Absolutely. I don't know. Those people know? might not have attraction towards people. That doesn't mean that they're not very sexual in with themselves, maybe, or just with their fantasies. Yeah, but that's what the complexities of it are just so fascinating because you have two variables that very connected, but are also very separate in that mm -hmm. regard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about a few of these questions, which have to do with relationships because. That, that can be talked about later, and I want to save some time for them. But uh -huh. specifically, I want to get into this last chunk here at the end, which had to do with, in your relationships, if you ever had partners with sexual desires you could not fulfill. This was one of the most interesting ones for me, because 
the question being like, have you ever had a partner with sexual desires you couldn't fulfill? Yes, was at 52.1%. Mm-hmm. Almost more than half of 3,000 people had a partner in their past at some point that was into something that you couldn't fulfill. And I feel like I've been there plenty of times. You? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I consider that, I don't think anything is normal, and I hate that word, but I sure. consider that, I guess, pretty typical, you know? Yeah. And then the follow-up being for that, like, what was that thing? Like, in a one-word answer, which I know is very difficult for people to do, so many hyphens in this that I had to, like, weed out. But in a one-word answer, like, what was that kink that you had to reciprocate? Um, could you guess, because I have the data, but you don't. What is? What do you think is one of those top answers, do you think? Ooh. This is the game show portion, though. No. <laughs> I think it's going to be something that is generally considered more taboo. So maybe it's something like, you know, scat or age play or, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of taboo, controversial sort of, uh, you know, it's like the, I don't know, the 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 anchovies of kink. Like most Mm -hmm. people are like, eh, but some people are like, I love them. Survey says, oh, scat is number two on the board. So when it comes to unreciprocal, unreciprocable, how would you have unreciprocated? Yeah, there we go. That's the (laughs) unreciprocal, though. I don't know, something unreciprocated kinks, kinks you couldn't do for your partner as much as you love them. Number one at 6.2% was water sports or piss play in some regard. Number two was scat. At 5.7% of people. This one was the most interesting. And I'm not sure. I'm curious in yours. The third one of something you could not give your partner was anal. At 4.1%. So like anal. Again, not everyone is is doing penis and vagina sex, obviously. You know. But anal was so high. And I'm not sure why. That was really surprising. I'm going to speculate. I'm going to speculate. And I'm thinking that, you know, and even looking at your top three, like when we look at uh, water sports, Mm -hmm. right. Versus scat. Mm -hmm. I think what, and and at first when you said water sports was for, I was like, what? But then I was like, oh, because it's just more common. Mm -hmm. More people want to do water sports than scat. So Mm -hmm. of course we're going to have more people that can't fulfill it. It's like, okay, that makes sense. And um, so then with anal, I think that's also anal super popular, right? Anal's not even kinky anymore. It's like, (laughs) right. Um, But, but, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, you didn't have pun sexual on your uh, (laughs) orientation next year. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, one, anal is just not for some people. Some people just don't like it, period. Uh, anal is also very sort of m- misunderstood. I don't know if that's the right word, but a lot of people have had very bad experiences with anal because just things weren't working. You know, look at the mm-hmm. way society talks about anal. It's like, you don't need lube. Oh, if it hurts, <sighs> just get through it. Like, so we're taught all of that education. So maybe some of these people, if they were to have had a good experience with anal, they may have turned out differently. They may say, oh, actually, anal's not bad. But I think so many people have bad experiences. And they're like, 
fuck that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, hi, butt problems, you know, yeah. fissures, uh, uh, hemorrhoids, the mm-hmm. whole. Some people want like, hey, if if my butt would cooperate, I would love to do anal. But hey, my my fissures, you know, are saying another thing. They're calling their safe word. They're saying red and that's blood. It's not a safe word. Uh, <laughs> oh, blood was on the list, too, although not as high. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so I think, you know, I guess that makes sense when I really think about like what could be driving that. And again, my personal opinion, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah. then I have a few other honorable mentions that had enough to kind of get some percentages. Uh, ABDL, which included age play diapers, was at 2.7% of unreciprocated. Uh, feet was under that at 2.2%. Fisting, also at 2.2%. Uh, consensual non-consent at 1.3% of people. And then again, this was such an odd answer, but sex. Just just sex. Interesting. Which uh, we should be clear, kink does not yeah. equal sex. Like you don't always have to get sex, like sex involved penetration to be kinky. We know that, but mm-hmm. the fact that enough people said that that it was kind of up there in the upper list was just so interesting. Yeah, I find that, and and again, it's like you know, I'm thinking about the reasons why you're asexual, you're mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, and maybe you're sex repulsed, you know, because ase- again, asexual people, a lot of asexual people still have sex, but aces who are specifically sex repulsed um you know it could be physical it could be like i have a partner like for me okay personally um i like sex i do consider myself more on the ace spectrum though like um i like sex do i experience like do i see a person and be like i want to fuck you no it's usually other (laughs) things that make me like i still want to fuck but not because i'm attracted to somebody if that makes (laughs) sense um and you know for me i separate my sex and my kink like i can like sex i can like kink they don't go together it's like it's like crab legs delicious ice cream delicious i don't eat them together right but but what if but what if (laughs) with the butter sauce instead of chocolate sauce like i have okay anyway um but so maybe these are folks who have partners that they are exclusively do kink with i don't know like Mm -hmm. speculation but it's fascinating yeah it's just interesting that that was the and maybe maybe they just couldn't think of one so sex was just the the funny haha word that they could think of i don't know but again it 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 could just be a catch-all um the next one was what what what, in one word again one word if you could your biggest turn on the the your favorite kink the kink that really made your year what do you think is in that top three at least the most popular kinks just put it in your mind like that there's some like kind of ds like dominant submission uh probably think about it in terms of like popularity too yeah i'm thinking bondage i'm thinking bondage like the bdsms of it all and whoo i don't know can i stop you there yeah because i think you got the top four already oh yeah oh my bondage ding 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 number one at 8.7 percent was people's biggest kink biggest turn on uh impact play was a 2.4 percent so that includes spanking hitting just any kind of impact. I did my best to to filter out all three eight thousand answers, right. um, and then submission was at two percent with domination at one point eight. So you were interesting. Yeah, the B, the D, the S, the M. 
Um, See, this is this is why I'm a sexologist. <laughs> we did the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is fascinating. Uh, and now let me think. And also, I'm blurry again. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my camera on. For those off listening, Sunny's yes. not drinking. It's just camera problems. Exactly. We're all we're all a little blurry, exactly. you know. Exactly. <laughs> that like autofocus is like I'm gonna focus on the wall behind you. No. Um, that's really fascinating and. I have so many thoughts like mm -hmm. one, I would love to ask these folks or to drill down on this question are, is this their biggest turn on or is this the biggest thing that they do? And I'll, I'll give you an example again, you know, ripped from my own personal headlines. Uh, I'm, I am a, uh, dominant. I am sometimes a bottom, but I, I don't, I don't do submission. I used to, I don't anymore. Um, but in my fantasies, I enjoy fantasizing sometimes about being submissive mm. and I enjoy fantasizing about being in bondage specifically. However, and I have tried to actually do bondage and I panic. Mm. I cannot actually stand the feeling of being restrained, but the, the, fantasy of being restrained in the safe space of my own mind where even though i'm the submissive i'm still the dominant because it's all my own fantasy and mm -hmm. i can tailor make like imagine what the sensations are it's it's a huge fantasy of mine i would never do it in real life i hate it same. i hate it hate it hate it so, yeah, so. <laughs> along that same lines no 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 absolutely like when i'm jerking off at the end of the night it's usually like to erotic fiction or or something not not real porn i like to like read stuff what i'm reading there is not always like my biggest kinks bondage hypno any of those but like it's got some like some consensual non-consent but that's not in my mind i don't think of that as my biggest kink or turn on because okay. it's not something i'm actively doing so there's definitely like an element of like maybe next year we need to put like some fantasy related questions versus real-time practice or play because yeah. i think bondage is the most accessible it's kind of one of the top kinks that most people could name even without knowing what kinks specifically were you know right but it it's it's telling when bondage impact plays submission domination are the top ones and then this one i'm gonna blame tiktok for praise kink was number five yes which is for a lot of people is something that like they've never heard of but they understand the concept of like even talking to christopher daddy He's like, well, obviously that's a thing people are turned on by. Why is there a label for? It? I'm like, no, it makes makes sense. It just got like yeah. popularized by TikTok now because there's. It's interesting. I am so fascinated by Praise Kink because, like you said, there's not a lot on it, and <laughs> it is a relatively quote new kink or a new label. Yeah. Um, and you know what exactly makes people. Uh, tick who are into praise kinks like what is behind that psychologically and i'm in the midst of like i'm writing a book right now which is like taking forever and i am the <laughs> editor-in-chief of a digital magazine about kinks so i am currently doing like little bits of research behind uh praise kink to try to get something a little bit more concrete mm -hmm. down on paper or at least investigate it more because it is so new um but that's fascinating etymology of these things is so hard sometimes which i'm sure you know like yeah even looking like I, I will never forget when we did a fisting video like finding the etymology of fisting we had like little breadcrumbs that led back to books that talked about like ancient egypt but even then like it was impossible to find any actual anecdotal evidence 
right. because it's all speculation or guessing or, well, this made someone feel a certain way. And then they talked about it, but didn't really give an, like a history to it. You know, like, right, right. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I love this. Oh my God. I'm thinking, okay. ah! oh, maybe this is my king. This is my king <laughs> right here. Going analyzing is my king. <laughs> More numbers. Um, okay. And then uh, using one word, uh, I asked people, what do you think is the oddest or more different turn on or kink? Uh, again, this is not a shamey, this is shame free. We are simply saying like, what do you think is kind of odd or different? Or maybe something you just don't understand. And I want to say this because some of these kinks on here, like I'm, I, I get if, if people would be like frustrated to see it on this list, but I hope that people see this as people want to know more. And I, I'm 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 a first person to like call themselves weird or odd because I think kinks are odd. I think I think kinks are odd, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think embracing the things that make us weird and being able to use that as a superpower is a really lovely thing. So, if any of your kinks are on this list, if any of these kinks that, that I'm sure Sunny's about to nail with guessing are on here, like it's not about shame. It's about empowering that that you have something that's real cool and different. Um, and we're not king shaming here. I need. I just need to say that. So uh, you want to give any guesses? Oh, gosh. There is so much. I think, you know, again, I'm going to go with some of the taboo kinks, like mm -hmm. for the other question, like, you know, whether it's like age play, CNC, like some of the like the anchovies of the kinks. Most people are like, I don't get it. And some people are like, my favorite. Uh <laughs> Sunny, <laughs> just stop. Stop there. Okay. So number one, 5.1% water sports. Number two at 4.4% was ABDL or di adult babies, diaper lovers, included yeah. some age play. Uh, number three was CNC. So get out of here. You've taken home every single prize. I, I hate it. You're, okay. you're too smart. Gotta, you're too smart. I, I got to <laughs> say something about CNC and I'll make it quick. I'll make Please. it quick. I have a, a bone to pick with CNC uh, or with the... Uh, public representation of what CNC or consensual non-consent is. It has through a lot of like media sensationalism and, you know, articles and vice and all that become synonymous with a uh, play that emulates sexual assault, AKA rape play. Mm -hmm. And while that's one very valid form of consensual non-consent that um, some people do because they find it's therapeutic, it's, you know, all sorts of different things. That's not the only kind of consensual non-consent. It's any, any kind of play where you say no and you resist. So it could be, you know, I, I give an example of like, um, uh, you know, hey, let's say I'm a caretaker dom role and I'm like, okay, little one, eat your carrots for dinner. Or you don't get to, but no, I don't want to. I'm a brat. That's CNC. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> make me. That's also CNC. So. Um, and I think a lot of times we do the, the you know, lighter versions or the under the radar versions of consensual non-consent in our play all the time. We just don't recognize it as that. Sure. Um, so I often say my my comparison, because I love analogies, saying that CNC is always an only extreme, uh, you know, like emulating rape kind of scenes mm -hmm. is like saying hey, amp, pretend you've never seen a knife before in your life. And I'm like, hey, 
you know, there's this thing called a knife. And you're like, wow, what's that? What are they for? And I'm like, okay, so what you do is, um, you know, I want you to take daddy, put him against the wall and put an apple on his head and then throw these, these things, these new things you've been introduced to called knives at him and like outline his body and get the apple without hitting. And that's what knives are for. And it's like, I didn't tell you about butter knives and cheese spreaders and like any of the other knives. Uh, I just told you about the death defying circus act. That is a very valid way to use knives. Sure. But, you know, kind of up it's, there. It's, it's uh, a way in which they're answering the question just because they have a, a phrase when they don't understand the full. Exactly. And I, I get, I totally get where people are coming from. I just, to me, this is like the per- public service announcement of CNC. Like, let's all collectively open our minds a little bit more as to what CNC can be mm-hmm. um, because it can be a really fun way to play and it doesn't have to be extreme. So I just, I had to geek out and do that public service announcement. Oh, Moving I, on. Thank you I very love much. That. Yeah, no, I Thank love that. Yeah. Um, other top ones for that included at 1.8% of people hypnosis for some reason, which I, oh. I, I, I love to see um, scat fisting and furries were all at 1.3% of the the survey which is yeah again very interesting very odd i um, want that to be a title of like an erotica that i read scat fisting scat- <laughs> oh, God. which someone's into i'm sure there's someone is into yes yeah nothing I wrong with that. that i would read that anyway <laughs> and then i just kind of skimmed the list and every once in a while i'd see an, an interesting one i saw time stop on the list a few times so like oh. people being like stopped in time and I'm not sure how exactly that would work, but like, I guess someone's like just frozen and then are played with, um, yeah. in, encasement popped up, like being oh. encased or like being like, I guess almost like, uh, like turned into just a mannequin. I think there right. was like mannequins. Um, and then one that really just tickled me when I was rolling through boners on buses, boners on buses. Was there, was there kink? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not the balls on the bus go I don't know. <laughs> they bounce up and down. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and so it was just, it was, uh, Sunny, I could stay here and talk with you another hour on information, but I don't want it to keep you. Um, I think the, the biggest, most interesting information we found was just people's favorite kinks, maybe some of the oddest kinks. And when looking through this, we had a few questions that were another scale from like zero to 10 uh, of like how COVID changed or didn't change how kinky you were. And what we found from that is COVID didn't really change or make people more kinky for the most part. I think I think it. Yeah, at least from from my own findings. Um, And then my one of my favorites was how active are you in the kink community? Zero being uh, online kink community. Sorry, uh-huh. I should say, um, zero being only online and ten being only in person. Now, only online was a huge portion of twenty nine point five percent that said only online, and then there was three point six percent of people that were that that other spectrum of only in person. And to those people, I just want to know how the hell did you find this survey? Right, liars, liars, cheats. <laughs> 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 no, but um, since COVID, were you more or less kinky? Most people were right in between the same with with uh, 35% people saying they're just as kinky. 
And yeah. then 10 being the highest was at 15.8%. So 15.8% said that they are more kinky, but a, a good third of people are just as kinky as they were before COVID with all of the highest answers in between that just as kinky to more kinky. Yeah. So it, it definitely leaned more towards more kinky after pandemic, but the, the average being right in the middle of just staying yeah. the same. That's interesting. And I would, I would love to, and we, uh, we're not going to completely geek out on this, but so we did a pandemic survey about kink and the answers were a little bit different, but if oh. you think about our audiences are different and not too yeah. much, like it was close, but, um, our audiences are different. Our audience is, um, the majority of them were by and large queer, but you have a more heavily gay audience. <laughs> I want to say the age range was about the same. Ours might have skewed just the littlest bit older. Our survey sample size was much smaller. It was like a little under a thousand. Um, but and it was focused only on very specific questions. It was like 22 questions about the pandemic. Uh, in particular, you know, only. Um, so I would love, I'm going to sit down and like compare. Both. Yeah, please. And I will give you, I'll give you the link to put in the show notes if anyone else is interested Absolutely. as well. Um, Cause yeah, I just find that fascinating. Well, and to that, like, and this is more like how surveys make people think like if yours was specifically pandemic related, people are going to analyze that so much more and have right. more to go off of instead of just one snapshot of me being like, Hey, where are you more kinky or not? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to say overall, like, you know, we started off this conversation saying like, this is an official and blah, 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 blah. And even if these questions aren't official or even if, yeah, some of them skewed or yeah, you should have included blah, blah, blah. You know, if a scientist did this, they would have blah, blah, blah. Look at the conversations that this survey is starting mm -hmm. and that this data is starting. And I think that's the real value in doing these, you know, whether it's like put together by a data analyst or not, it's getting these conversations out there and it's getting us think about like, what are some of the possible reasons why these answers came out the way they did? Um, and that helps all of us. So. Oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on today. That that seems like the perfect place. And we're also almost on time to to stop. So <laughs> first of all, Sunny, thank you for sitting down and having this convo with me. I always love not only picking everyone else's brains, but picking your brain, your brain. I have picked I, yes. I pick you. <laughs> My brain. My brain is for the picking. Yes. If people would like to pick your brain, Sunny, um, where can they find you? Oh, all sorts of places. First, I'm going to give a shout out again. Go to zippermagazine.com. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. Of course, I'm the editor in chief. I've written a bunch of articles, but we've got articles. You know, we've got y'all have done videos for us. Midori, Melina Williams, Haas, Evie Lupine, like you name it. We've got all sorts of stuff. And if you're geeking out on this episode, you'll geek out on what we have to offer. And we just started doing giveaways too. So <laughs> check that out. You might get some good kink gear. Um, and then for me personally, I am Sunny Megatron pretty much everywhere. So just like at tag Sunny Megatron on whatever social platform you'll get me. I do a lot on TikTok, you know, YouTube, Twitter, da, 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 da. Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. It's available on demand. Also, uh, 
American Sex Podcast. We've got, what, near 200 episodes, and I also host Open Deeply Podcast with therapist Kate Larie that uh, talks a lot about uh, open relationships and polyamory and consensual non-monogamy, whatever label you use for that, and also a lot of kink and alt sex and relationships. So, uh, yeah, I got, got a lot going on. You should stop, you know, just slacking so much. Oh, my God. Do you even work? I know. I know. I just got to get so much done. Yeah. I'm also writing a book, which is like, oh, my God. Oh, good luck. (laughs) I, I, I don't envy that. And you can find me everywhere at Pup Amp. This has been What's Your Safe Pod, but you can find us everywhere at What's the Safe Word. And if you'd like to, uh, you can find our surveys, which mine is still open. I believe yours is still open, Sunny. No, ours is not still open. Oh, never mind. There are the data. more. Oh, okay. There, yeah, the data. The there's data a whole there. article. There's an analysis. Oh. There's the data. It, yeah, just look at Pandemic Kingsters. Go to zippermagazine.com and there'll be more. There'll be more surveys. So just you wait. And we will see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Amazing. Oh my God. There, I feel there's still still so many questions we could have gone into. Oh, but sorry, I like really no. Like How dare you apologize for having fun and being yeah. emphatic about a topic? <laughs> yeah, this is great. And yeah, I think like. You know, like I said, it it opens up these conversations, and these are really good questions to to ponder on Uh you know like yeah yeah so exciting